The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Coming up on Money Beat, sure, everybody wants to change the tax code, but actually doing it is a lot harder than saying it. Will anything get done this year? Will anything get done next year? This is a much more complicated issue than you might think, and that's what people in D.C. are starting to figure out. Our Washington correspondent, Jerry Seib, is here to talk about it. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Money Beat. Paul and Stephen here in the studio, New York City. That's going to be like 60 degrees today, too, man. Really, it's, it's, this is winter's over. I'm, de- I'm declaring it done. It was a gorgeous weekend. Gorgeous weekend, gorgeous weather, winter's over. Let's get some stuff done in this country, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that we want to get done in this country, apparently, is tax reform. The market's betting on it. The Trump administration is promising it. But it might not be quite as easy as everyone thinks. Jerry Seib uh, is joining us from Washington, D.C. And also here in the studio, you got Ben Eisen, our, uh, our, our stalwart. Ben, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Paul? Uh, Jerry, you wrote a column uh, earlier this week about this, and you know it seems easy to just say like tax reform, going to get it done. Sure, everyone's well, excited about it. I think the other thing that's also is the is the divergence between the market and what you know other people are thinking. The market has gone all in on tax. Well, reform. right, right, right. And, to the market, it's easy. Yeah, I mean, there we're we've seen the Dow rise ten straight or will have risen ten straight days if it finishes in the right. the black today. Um, but so there's a lot of people who are sort of questioning. I mean, Jerry, right, right. <laughs> right, right. So, so Jerry, from up here, it looks, from up here, Jerry, it looks really easy. Uh, w- w- is it really easy? No. Look, I mean, tax reform always sounds easy because everybody, both parties, will say and has said for years, "Oh, the tax system is broken. Our corporate tax rate is too high. We need to fix it. It's time for tax reform." Great, big cheers. And then the consensus breaks down. And even now, you know, Republicans have taken over. They control all of Congress and they control the White House. The one thing Republicans love to do is cut taxes. You would think it would be easy. It's not easy because uh, once you get past the sloganeering, the consensus isn't there. Uh, how do you do this? Does it, you have to make it revenue neutral, which is do you have to raise as much tax money with your new system as before, or are you willing to have less money uh, and let the deficit go up at least temporarily, banking on that as a big stimulus for new economic growth? Um, do you put a what is called a border adjustment tax on tax uh, 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 imports that come into the country but don't tax exports that go out of the country because that's the way to make American business great again? Some people like that. Those happen to be country companies that export products. Some people hate it. Those happen to be the Walmarts of the world who import products. So the point is it sounds easy, and there is a complete agreement across the board that something needs to be done, but that's where the agreement ends. I like uh, in your piece you sort of – well, first, you mentioned in 1986, which was the last time we had major uh, tax reform, that that took a couple of years to gestate before it actually came into law. Yep. But one of the interesting things I found was the Republicans' decision to tackle Obamacare before taxing taxes. Can you talk about why they decided to do that and also why 
um, that could you know hold up getting yeah. tax reform passed. Well, that's the that's a really important thing right now because one of the things you can tell yourself if you look at the history of trying to do tax reform is you better move quickly once you take over uh, because the it takes a while and the momentum slows pretty quickly in Washington. Republicans had a big choice. What do we do? We have we there are two imperatives for us as Republicans right now. One is to repeal Obamacare and replace it with something else, and the other is to cut taxes and do tax reform. They've made a big decision to do Obamacare first. Why? Well, uh, they believe, and I think correctly, that you have to figure out what replaces Obamacare before you can move forward, because there are tax implications to that. There are tax elements in Obamacare. You, if you're going to eliminate them, you need to know what the, what the picture looks like. Um, and there are also budget implications. And then there's the procedural question, which is that once you do those things and fix the Obamacare problem or make the change that you think you're going to make, then you can write a budget. Once you can write a budget, then you can do tax reform on the back of that budget. For a lot of complicated procedural reasons, you have to do it in a, on a budget to a tax reform because that allows you to do it with only a majority in the Senate, only 50 votes. It means you don't have to get Democratic votes in the Senate for your big tax cut tax reform plan. If you, if you try to do it now before you have a budget, then you have to get it on regular, in regular order, and that means it could be filibustered, which means you need 60 votes. So that's a, that's a sticky procedural question, but that's why the Republicans in the White House and on the Hill have decided they have to do Obamacare first. But that slows down the train. And Obamacare is, as we, we've written many times, has sort of run into its own sort of obstacles and, you know, sort of stumbled to, you know, um, it, with the Republicans basically, you know, saying they wanted to repeal and replace. Um, they're finding the that to be much more difficult at this point. Well, exactly. And, you know, some people just thought, let's just repeal. We'll figure out later what replace means. I think they have uh, the Republicans in general have come to the conclusion that's a dangerous thing to do because you really disrupt the insurance markets. You throw uh, millions of Americans health uh, insurance into uh, sort of deep uncertainty. That's not a politically palatable thing. So guess what? We have to repeal and replace at the same time. And once again, if there was if that was easy and there was a consensus, that would have been done already. But it's not easy. There's not a consensus, and it's going to take some time. So, look, the the hope for among Republicans in Congress is that they can get the Obama problem, the Obamacare problem, taken care of one way or the other by spring break, end of spring, and that early summer they'll move on to taxes. And Steve Mnuchin, the new tax, uh, uh, the new Treasury Secretary, told us in an interview um, this week that uh, his goal is to have tax reform done by time Congress hits the August recess. But he also admits at this stage that's an ambitious timetable, and that's for sure. You know, Jerry, I think uh, it's interesting the way you describe the situation in Washington around tax reform. I mean, I think it's not necessarily all that different from the way the market views this. I mean, when you look at uh, the the sort of major stock indexes, you know, they keep going up and up on these hopes that all this work is going to get done. We'll get tax reform. We'll get regulatory rollbacks. We'll get all of the, the this passage done. But when you look sort of below the surface, you you kind of start to see cracks in this idea that um, you know we're going to get major ta- like on on a major scale tax reform uh, you know happening any day now. And one way I think you can look at that is if you actually take a look at the oil market. Which is, um, you know, there's a the Brent benchmark, which is the international Brent benchmark, and then the crude benchmark, which is uh, the U.S. benchmark. And the idea being, if you get a border adjustment tax, uh, you would send uh, uh, WTI crude, the U.S. benchmark, uh, higher than the Brent benchmark. Basically, U.S. oil prices would go up relative to the rest of the world, 
And in recent weeks, you've actually seen that going the other way. Uh, uh, WTI has been falling relative to Brent, and therefore, uh, you know, people are kind of interpreting that as a sign that, well, maybe you don't get the border adjustment tax, at least as proposed by the Republicans or something like that. Um, and that it, you know, it quickly becomes in the same vein a lot more complicated than it at first seems. Right. And, and look, I think the markets are making a couple of bets here. They are assuming that out of the Trump administration, they're going to get big deregulation. That's good for business. But they're also uh, calculating they're going to get a big tax cut. That's economic stimulus, um, you know, potentially economic stimulus on steroids. And they're betting that as part of that tax plan, they figure out how to, you know, unleash, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars in overseas profits that American companies will bring back. And maybe that can be steered toward big infrastructure projects, something else everybody in both parties claims they want. That's a big stimulus, too. I think the danger for the Trump administration right now is that what if the market is assuming those things will happen, but it turns out they're all more complicated and don't happen? And what's the downside risk? Could things start dropping in the markets when the sort of the rosy scenario doesn't quite pan out? And I, I think it's too early to make a call on that, obviously, but I do think that's one of the dangers here. The assumption that this stuff will all get done uh, because Republicans are in charge. And so, of course, it will all get done. It's not that simple. Right. Uh, yeah, that's sort of the, the crux of the whole thing here. Let's take a break. We will come back with more. On the other side, Jerry Seib talking about taxes in D.C. here on Money Beat. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. NetSuite by Oracle brings accounting, finance, inventory, and HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce costs everywhere. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. So head to netsuite.com slash Wall Street right now. Love tech? Dig gadgets? Then make tech news briefing from the Wall Street Journal a part of your day. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome back to Money Beat. Paul Stephen and Ben Eisen here in New York. Jerry Seib in D.C. And we are talking about taxes, tax plans, the market's reactions, market's anticipations of tax plans. And you know, one of the things, Jerry, you started talking about it, about the, the risks that the market is sort of getting getting ahead of themselves here. And one of the things I think is interesting is you hear out of the Trump administration, they've said this several times, they've provided, it seems like a couple of different numbers, but you know, their, their basic point is that, look, we're going to do these things and it's going to be great for the economy, GDP is going to be up. And, and they're talking about you know, 3%, 4%, you know, sort of numbers for GDP growth that we have not seen in, in quite a while. And it, it seems like you know, taxes tend to be the, the, the standard answer down in Washington, D.C. when you talk about getting economic growth going. But is it, you know, the the process of getting the thing passed is difficult. Is there any real guarantee that lower taxes are going to lead to higher growth? Well, I think as a general principle, all other things being equal, the answer to that question is yes, they lead to higher growth. How much higher? Uh, hard to say for sure. At what cost? Hard to know because, you know, remember, uh, lower taxes, may, if they produce more economic activity, they also translate into higher interest rates from the Fed, uh, which is watching this situation. So you have a push and a pull going on at the same time. And how does that work out in the long run? You may have a, uh, interest rates go up, the dollar goes up, and so that slows down export activity, and that cuts both ways, obviously. Um, good dollar is good in some ways, bad in other ways. 
Um, and so I think it, it's it's the idea here is that you need to start with lower uh, corporate taxes. But at, you know, at the same time, if you are making it revenue neutral, if you're not going to re- reduce the amount of money that the uh, federal government takes in, then you, you have taxes go up somewhere even while they're going down other places. And is the net economic effect of that as big as you had thought going in? So like everything in economics, it's more complicated than it sounds. So the, I think the top line answer is, yeah, if you have lower taxes, you probably have more growth. Um, but you know, there are a lot of ifs, ands, and buts in that sentence as well. Yeah, I mean, the deregulation as well, you know, we've written this where economists are all across the board about how much of an impact that will have on GDP. Um, you know, so it, there's a lot of I think, in yeah. forecasting where GDP is going to be, a lot of guessing. The one the one of the questions I wanted to get to was the border, uh, you know, t- adjustment tax. That seems to be the, the real hot-button issue. Trump earlier was out against it. Some of the Republicans in Congress are uncomfortable with it. How much of that – can they bridge that gap? Can they come to a consensus on the border adjustment tax? That, I mean, how, how big an issue is that? That's a huge issue. And, and so, yeah, we did an interview with uh, President Trump just before the inaugural, and he said, I don't really like the border adjustment tax. It does something – some of what he wants by making imports uh, more expensive and less attractive, but it's complicated. And the problem right now is it splits the business community right down the middle, as I said earlier. You know, companies that export love it. Companies that import hate it. Um, that's tough for Republicans to sort out. Um, it also, though, it is, uh, does not have the same amount of enthusiasm amongst Republicans in the Senate uh, as it does in the House. That's a problem. They have to buy in if this is going to become the consensus approach. The other thing the border adjustment tax does, and this is also really important, is it raises net-net about a trillion dollars over 10 years, which allows you to cut tax rates considerably in, you know, in other places uh, without increasing the deficit. So the Paul Ryan um, and Kevin Brady, who's the, the congressman from Texas, who's the chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, they look at this border adjustment tax and it says it does lots of things that we want that are good for America, keeps businesses at home, uh, raises money so we can cut tax rates, all businesses will benefit. Um, and by the way, when people look at this issue, they're going to realize there's no other way to, to do all those things with one fell swoop. And so people who hate it now will come to realize what we've come to realize, which is that's the secret uh, sauce for getting this done. I don't know that that's how it's going to work out or not. If the White House is lukewarm and Republicans in the Senate are uh, hostile, it's got a problem. It's in, And you take that out of the House plan, you don't really have a tax uh, plan that's in one piece right now. Yeah, I mean, it definitely seems like um, you know, the views of the business community, they're definitely making their views known, uh, members of Congress. One other group that I wonder if is being considered is, is the OPEC uh, nations. Uh, our, our colleagues in the who cover oil have been talking about the fact that, um, you know, any sort of border adjustment tax would be seen as sort of like a declaration of war with, with uh, members of, of OPEC. And, um, you know, the U.S. probably doesn't want to alienate all of the oil-producing nations uh, uh, out there. I, I just wonder how, how are those views being made known? Are they being known? Is that... Um, is that something that, that, that will eventually fit its way into whatever gets accomplished here? Well, it's not just that. It's, it's that plus the fact that the, you know, the whole World Trade Organization might look at a border adjustment tax and consider it to be kind of an 
unfair, unfree trade-like move by the U.S., and there might be some problems beyond just with OPEC. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I think, though, at the moment, the idea that the views of uh, OPEC, foreign oil producers, or the World Trade Organization, uh, with the Republican crowd that's now in charge in Washington, that they'll carry a whole lot of weight is probably a bit of a stretch. But it is a complication. And, you know, once again, that's why people shouldn't assume we're going to rush to the finish line with a big tax reform plan, because everything is complicated. Yeah, I, I, there's one thing I just wanted, and this might be a dumb question or a smart question or whatever, but I think it kind of gets to something. Jerry, how is a border adjustment tax, which is everyone kind of, how, how is that different from a tariff? How is that not a tariff? Well, it, it's it's different in the sense that it's not as simple as a tariff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there are there are some exceptions uh, to the rule, and it also applies to the whole supply chain. It applies not just to parts, but to components as well. Um, and so, I, I think it you know it is a it's it's somewhere between a tariff and a value added tax. I think is 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 how you need to look at it. Uh, and it is incredibly it is complicated. And that's actually one of the things when we talked to to President Trump, uh, then President Elect Trump, he was saying it's just too complicated. And you know, there's something to be said for that. If you if it's too hard to explain to businesses and taxpayers alike, then maybe it is just too complicated. Um, by the way, there's one other complication we haven't mentioned here, which is if you're going to do tax reform, do you just fix the corporate tax system um, was, or do you right. decide to do, you know, the whole Megillah and do change all the personal tax rates at the same time? And, you know, one of the reasons this hasn't happened in Washington is that even people who thought they could get their arms around a corporate tax fix uh, run into lots of problems, uh, political problems, when they start trying to come to an agreement on what personal tax rates ought to be. It seems like at the same time, uh, 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 President Trump keeps saying that we're, he's going to introduce a, quote, phenomenal tax package, that this is coming any day now. Um, I just wonder, are there any sort of efforts to kind of temper expectations here? Have we, have we seen um, the administration in some ways try to talk this down a little bit? You know, it's very hard to know what the administration means. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when it, he said it's coming, uh, it hasn't come. Uh, Secretary Mnuchin in our interview was a little vague about what that means. When it comes, does that mean it's a fully formed plan or some principles? Or does it mean right. buying into the existing Republican plan? Uh, who's writing a plan? Because there was one written in the campaign for the Trump campaign. The, the principal authors of that are or have been shut out of the administration. They're nowhere around. So is that the plan? It It is very, one of the great uncertainties here is that it is very hard to figure out what the White House strategy is. Now, the White House doesn't have to offer a plan. As I said, there is one already exist, in existence among House Republicans. Uh, is that the plan? Um, so it, it's not clear. Maybe this will become clearer when the president talks to a joint session of Congress next week on February 28th. But you know, who knows? No, yeah, nobody is sending clear signals. You know, one of the things that in your column that I thought was was a critical point, and I think we've kind of talked around this, but I, I want you to talk d- directly to it, is just this whole issue of momentum in a new president's term and getting big things passed. And, you know, you had pointed out some dates, and I grocery you talked about the 86 plan, but, you know, you, you pointed out some other administrations that got big things done very, very early, and we're already past that point. Yeah, at this point, Ronald Reagan had already proposed his big historic tax cut plan. Um, uh, George W. Bush had already proposed his tax cuts in 2001 uh, when Republicans came in and did a, had a similar dynamic. Uh, President Obama had already not only proposed but had 
seen Congress pass and it's signed into law the stimulus bill uh, by now. So that's why that's what I meant when I earlier said, you know, there is history that suggests if you're going to do something big like this, you ought to you ought to strike early. Having said that, um, you know, it's one of the one of the complaints about the stimulus bill was that they didn't take enough time to do it uh, right. I mean, that was one of the one of the critics, uh, one of the one of the points critics often said. So, you know, and if there's not a consensus, you can't just create one out of whole cloth. So maybe it's not a fatal problem. I do think you got if you're going to do tax reform in anything like a big way, you have to do it in 2017, because if you wait till 2018, you know, we're once again in an election year. Everybody right. in the House is up for re-election. A third mm-hmm. of the Senate is up for re-election. Uh, if you think the politics is complicated in 2017, wait till 2018. And that I think that's actually a very good point to the market, and, and specifically the stock market. Uh, Goldman was out with a note, and they actually were arguing that it's not going to happen until late this year or early next year. But one of the thing, points I thought was interesting in there is they made the argument that the market's already priced in an 11% gain in earnings, I believe, this year. Um, you know, so that that sort of suggests how much the stock which market would be is. a big number compared to what yes. we've seen lately. I mean, we just got out of an earnings recession, right? Essentially, right, right. So this is a you know, it's an example of how much the markets have gotten sort of excited yeah. about uh, tax reform and what it could do for corporate America. And that's even despite the fact that uh, you have analysts, which are usually this very optimistic bunch. Yes. they're 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 not pricing in uh, any of these this earnings growth into. Uh, into their stock forecasts or anything like that, which is sort of a sign that, wow, maybe there's, I guess they call it cognitive dissonance, seems to be the word of the last couple of months here, but uh, definitely seems to be the case in the markets. No, I mean, we're, we're, I mean, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, we just passed 20,000. We made a big deal of that. (laughs) We're almost at 21,000 now. I mean, that's how fast this is moving. The markets are moving fast because the markets are excited about the idea of taxes going down for corporations. But again, that kind of gets to a crux of it. You know, Jerry, this administration came in talking about what they were going to do for the little guy. And, you know, supposedly that's who put Donald Trump into the White House. And, you know, the focus, at least for tax reform, is on the corporate taxes and what does it mean for companies? How much does how much can the average, uh, you know, average Joe out there expect to get out of this? Well, again, this is one of the disconnects. You know, um, some some Republicans are saying, look, let's not make it too complicated. Let's just deal with lowering corporate tax rates and and not worry about trying to do personal tax reform at the same time, because then the complications are enormous. Um, but if you do that, then you, you're right. There was a, basically a populist Donald Trump uh, candidate who said, I'm going to lower taxes for everybody. I mean, literally, he said, I'm going to lower everybody's right. tax rate. And then that doesn't happen. And instead, you lower corporate tax rates. Well, you know, some of those people in Ohio and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Michigan who voted for Donald Trump and made him president might not be so happy about that. So, yeah. uh, you know, the White House probably has a higher incentive to, to deal with personal tax rates uh, as well as corporate tax rates than some Republicans in Congress. But they have to resolve that question. And it's not resolved. I also would point out sometimes we also when we talk about corporate we talk we're thinking like you know the GEs of the world, but you know small business and small business owners are big supporters of Trump. You've seen their survey of optimism explode since his election, and part of that is because they're going to be the biggest beneficiaries or some of the biggest beneficiaries of tax reform and deregulation. So I mean th- that does benefit, yeah. and, that, that, and they employ the majority of you know, people in this country. So that also helps that they're, you know, 
hiring and, and it's it's re- funny cuz that that gets right back to the whole complication of Obamacare and the whole repeal versus replace debate like small businesses are going to want to know what kind of health care plans are available to them i mean it is critically important like for us and Jerry, you know, for all the four of us sitting here, we all work for a big corporation that, you know, we subsidize it we through our paycheck. But, I mean, you know, health care is kind of taken care of for us. Uh, for independent businesses, this is a huge issue. It's a huge issue, which just, again, gets to what you were saying at the top, Jerry, about how complicated health care is and how it's going to have to come before tax reform. And I would, I would also say just the uncertainty around that also has to be weighing on businesses. Yes, of course. Because you have right. you budget for your next year right. if you don't know what your right. costs are going to be based on the regulatory environment. Well, yeah, what? and, I, and I, I would just add that, you know, there is um, one of the reasons to uh, maybe curb enthusiasm a little bit is that we're probably going to be in a period of uncertainty for a while. Yeah. And that in and of itself uh, sometimes crimps business investment and vi- business planning. Yeah. And some of these some of these gauges of, of sort of optimism and hopes, so small business optimism, consumer sentiment, they've all been just surging to the highest highest they've been in years um is there i mean given that would you expect that that maybe that's an overshoot or um you know what what can we expect to see there yeah i think and we have to wrap this up but i I, you know that probably is our next podcast ben would aside from book club uh you know the over is this an overshoot for the markets and for optimism all those things you know everyone got all juiced up about this Mm -hmm. did they did they get too excited too quickly um, that is a whole nother podcast, though. So, uh, Jerry Sive, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, and everyone, you know, seriously, we really do appreciate your listening and, and coming back to hear us uh, prattle on about these matters. We hope, uh, hope it's informative. Hope it helps. Talk to you soon. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices. Apollo is working to ensure a bright, bold future, financing solutions to some of the most complex challenges the world is facing. Apollo, investing in tomorrow, today. Learn more at Apollo.com.